Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for June 22nd, 2023. And so, man, we're almost six months into the year already. June 22nd, 2023, we spent the first five months on a series on the miracles of Jesus, and we got our faith up, and we believe God for the impossible. We believe that God can do anything. And so this series on the miracles just built us up. Now, this series on the parables that we just started three weeks ago is getting us to another level of understanding. We want to have ears to hear. We want to have eyes to see. We want to have a heart to understand the things of God. So these parables are natural stories with supernatural meanings. And so Jesus gave this parable that basically he told his disciples, if you don't understand this one, how can you understand any of them? So I call this the mother of all parables is the parable of the sower. We are in part 17 of walking through this so far, over three weeks. And the title of today's message is resting while God is working. As a believer, say this, say, I learned to rest while God is working. While I'm resting, God is working on my behalf. And if I, if I put my hands on something that God told me to take my hands off of, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to learn today that I may cause a, de- a delay or I could actually derail myself from the blessing. And so I don't want to put my, I, I need to learn how to rest while God is working. Say that. Say, I am resting while God is working. Get ready to receive the word. All right, so let's get into it. Before we actually get into the parable, there's a scripture that I've been sharing with you all year. It's a scripture that the Lord gave our church because the Lord told us that this is a season of refreshing and restoring for us. And so we've been meditating on this word, Psalms 126 and verse four. The Bible says, now, Lord, do it again. Say, Lord, do it again. Do it again, Father, for me. Do it again. What am I asking God to do? Restore us unto the former glory. If you lost something along the way, you, you, you had a, there was a time where you had more zeal, more passion, more fervor, more, more favor, more desire for the things of God. In this season, God is going to restore it and even take you to another level of glory. This, the text says, may streams of your refreshing God flow over us until dry hearts are drenched again. If, if put it in, in the chat. No dry areas for me. If there's an area of your life that went dry in this season, God is going to drench it again. And so now let's look at the mother of all parables. Jesus taught the parable, said, hey, he that has ears, let him hear. The disciples said, we don't understand it. Can you explain it? And Jesus explained it this way. This is how we broke it down. Mark chapter four, verses 13 through 20. He said, the farmer is God in the text. And so the seed is is the word and you are the soil. So the farmer is like somebody who takes God's teaching, the word of God, and sows it down inside of people. Now, sometimes the seed of the word falls along the path. That's like the people that hear the word of God, but their understanding is unfruitful. They don't understand it. So Satan comes immediately and snatches away the word that was sown in their heart before it can produce. So it doesn't produce. <laughs> and so other people are like seed that are planted on rocky ground. These are the people that hear the teaching. They quickly and gladly accept it. You know, they're real loud. They say amen in church, but they don't really do anything with the word that they receive. They're just giving God lip service. And so their lips are close to him, but their hearts are far from him. They do not allow the word of God to go deep into their lives. And as, as a result, what happens? As soon as trouble comes, persecution comes because of the word that they receive, they're quick to give up. So it doesn't produce. Other people are like seed that's planted amongst the thorny weeds. This is where we are right now in the story. They hear the teaching, but they have allowed their lives to become full of other things. 
I've asked you to put in the chat, Jesus is my life. So if Jesus is your life, you can't allow yourself to be this type of soil. What does this type of soil do? Well, their lives are just full of other things. Jesus gave us three categories. He said the love of money, uh, the cares of this world, and the lust for other things or selfish desires. So these are people that they have so many things that are birthed in their heart that were not birthed in the heart of God. They're chasing that paper and money has become their master. And Money makes an excellent servant, but a poor master. And then there are people that are just consumed with the cares of this world. And so their lives are so full of other things that the, all of this stuff is grows up in their heart as weeds and it chokes out the seed of the word and the word doesn't work. And so finally, other people are like good ground. Say, I'm good ground. What happens with good ground? Well, all the good ground does is it doesn't do what the other three did. <laughs> so it's not like the first ground, it understands it. It's not like the second ground, it allows it to go deep, right? It has roots. Trouble can come, persecution can come, not moved. It's not like the third ground, it's not full of other things. It's not consumed with the kids of this world, the love of money or selfish desires. It doesn't have competing priorities. So it just lets the word of God do what it does. And as a result, it produces a harvest sometimes 30 times more, sometimes 60 times more, and sometimes 100 times more. Now, earlier in, in uh, yesterday, in yesterday's message, I actually shared uh, with you a passage in Mark chapter 4 that um, is about another parable, but I'm going to tie it to this parable. I, I mentioned it yesterday. I want to share it again today. So Jesus said this in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, he says, night and day, whether the farmer is sleeping or awake, the seed is sprouting and growing, and he doesn't even know how it's working. All by itself, the soil and the seed produces the grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head, and as soon as the grain is ripe, the farmer goes and gets the sickle. Why? It's harvest time. He gets to harp. Now, he didn't, all he did was put the seed in the ground and then he let it do what it does. Whether he was sleeping, whether he was awake, whether he was talking to his neighbors, whether he was paying attention to something else, the soil and the seed were working and he didn't have to understand how. All he knows is that when it's harvest time, he goes out there and gets that harvest. So what does this mean for you today? And I love how how Jesus and, and you know, basically God has said, how can I explain how the kingdom works to these people in a way that they can understand? And so that's what the parables is about. It's like, okay, let me explain this to you. Let, let me break this down to you in a way that you can understand. You understand farmers, right? You understand seeds. I mean, that's something that should be easy to understand. So the kingdom of God is like this. So what does this mean for you today? I have seven things to share with you on this morning. As I share this with you, I want you to open up your heart to receive seven things. You ready? Seven things. Number one, here we go. Jesus likened the word of God to seed. He likened us or our hearts to soil. And then Jesus explained that the word will work all by itself. Like the farmer doesn't have to understand. The farmer doesn't have to have a degree in agriculture to reap a harvest. He doesn't need to understand how the seed produces. He just has to believe that it's going to produce. Watch this. And when he puts it in the ground and he walks away, he can't see it. And so he looks down and he can't see what's happening under the ground. And that's how it is with us. 
Sometimes we can't see what God is doing. We just have to believe that God is working. I see that my, my best friend from high school, Manuel Ureña, is watching. He's a, he's a principal of a high school in, in New York City. And Manny and I, we were just talking about this a few weeks ago when we saw each other. In our lives, when we were teenagers, man, God was working in our lives, but we couldn't see it. We didn't know it. We didn't understand it. Our mothers were praying for us. See, when you got to believe, especially as a parent, that, that you're praying for your children and God is working even when it doesn't look like it's working. Come on, man. The guy doesn't have to understand. He doesn't have to understand how the seed produces, how, how the soil and the seed, how the soil cracks open the seed. And the, he doesn't have to understand none of that. He just has to believe that night or day, whether he's awake or whether he's sleeping, the seed is always working. What is the picture here? The picture is that you don't have to make it work. You just have to believe that God is working. When God gives you a word, you don't have to make it work. You just have to ensure that you're not fighting against it. You just have to make sure that you're not going out there and messing around with the process, putting your hands on something that God told you not to put your hands on. And so if you get out there and you start with the cares of this world, the love of money and selfish desires, you're going to mess up the process. Now you're putting your hands on a process that God doesn't want you to put your hands on. Why? Because the word is working. You, when you get out there and you get the cares of this world, the love of money and selfish desires, basically what Jesus is saying in, the, in this parable is that you are creating weeds and the weeds will choke out the seed. So all you have to do is not fight against the process. Put in the chat, I will not fight against God. I have to trust that God is working and I'm not going to put my hands on it and I'm not going to meddle. I'm not going to interfere. Number two, when God sows his word into your heart, he wants you to rest in what he said. Say this, say, I learned how to rest in what God said. If you rest in what God said, then God will work. The word of God will work whether you understand it or not. I don't know. Look, there's some things that I'm believing God for. There's some things that God has spoken to me about for Inspire Solutions, uh, uh, Isabella's company that now I join. There's some things that I know God is going to, I don't know. I don't know how God is going to do it. There's some things that God has said about my kids. I don't know how God is going to do it, but I have to believe that God is going to do it because if God said it, he has to bring it to pass. I don't have to understand the how. I just have to believe that God is going to bring the past. You don't have to, listen, the farmer doesn't have to understand how this stuff works. He just has to believe that while he can't see what's happening under the ground, that thing is working. So you have to believe that God is going to do what God is going to do. And, but here's the problem. What Jesus is teaching here is that if you start meddling, if you start feeding fear, doubt, unbelief, if you start meditating on the cares of this world. Oh, what if it doesn't happen? Oh, what if, let me come up with a plan B because you just never know what God may do. Let me, let me come up with a plan B just in case this, this thing that God said don't work out. Let me come up with a plan B just, what are you doing? You are feeding weeds. Let me pause there. You're feeding weeds and those weeds can choke out the seed. You don't want to do that. You don't believe God. With God, there's no plan B. If God told you something, honestly, there's no plan B. You, you have to believe God. That's why your thoughts are so important. What you focus on daily is critically important to what you experience in your journey with Christ. Let me say that again. Let me slow it down. What you focus on daily is critically important to your experience, to what you will experience in your journey with Christ. Your thoughts matter. You, you have to feed your faith and starve your doubts. But if you feed your doubts, you're going to choke out your faith. Say amen to that. Listen, this is not 
Not hard to understand. This is not rocket science. You got to believe God. Number three, while you are resting, God is working. Say this. Say, God is working while I'm resting. While I'm resting, God is working. If you truly rest in what God said, then God will ensure that these things come to pass. Jesus painted the picture for us of a farmer who sowed seed in the ground. And whether the farmer is up, hey, what's going on today? Or the farmer is sleeping. Either way, the word is working. Whether the farmer understands agriculture or not, either way, the word is working. That's exactly what happens when you rest in the word. You don't take on any pressure to perform. Do you think the farmer puts the seed in the ground and goes, oh man, I hope the seed produces. Can I help it? What do I need to do to make sure, man, I hope it produces. Like all the farmer does, if it sees weeds, it pulls out the weeds. Fear, doubt, unbelief, pull those things out. But other than that, you have to trust that God's word is going to work. If God gave you a word, don't get involved. Don't mess it up. Number four, I'm going to give you a good example of, of getting involved with something when God told you not to get involved. Resting in God's word requires surrendering control and trusting in God's faithfulness. Say this. Say, I surrender to God. And I got to trust that God is faithful. Those who fail, this, this four point is a, is a critical one, so I'm, I'm going to slow down. Those who fail to enter into God's rest will inevitably put their hands on something that God is working on for them. And if God is working on something for you and you mess around and put your hands on it, you're going to meddle in God's work. And if you start to meddle in God's work, you can either delay your blessing or you can fabricate a replacement. Let me say this again. You can either delay your blessing or you can fabricate a replacement or both. This is what happened with Abraham and Sarah. With Abraham and Sarah, you know the Bible says Genesis chapter 12, God comes up to a man named Abraham. He's 75 years old. His wife is 65 years old. They, they've never had any children. And so God says to, them, to Abraham, look, I chose, this is my will, not yours, from the foundations of the world. I already picked you. I picked you before you picked me. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. And through you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I need you to leave. And they go. And so God is telling them, you're going to have a generation of people to come out of you, but it's going to start with a baby. So Abraham and Sarah believe God for this baby. The problem is that 13 years later, and they're doing what they need to do in the natural, 13 years later, they still don't have the baby. So what happened? They came up with a plan B. They meddled with God. They took on the cares of this world. What was the cares of this world? Oh God, what if this is never gonna happen? I know what God said, but what if this is never gonna happen? Woe is me, what are we going to do? And Abraham's wife says, hey babe, um, I tell you what, maybe it's not gonna work through me. Why don't you have sex with my servant and have a baby that way? <laughs> And my wife hates it when I say this, but Abraham was a man. So he was like, oh, that's a good idea. You know? And so, so yeah, he does that. What did they do? They allowed the cares of this world. They allowed the care of the thing to cause them to get involved and meddle with, with God and what he was doing. And so they messed around and had a baby that was not the promised child. And so they had Ishmael instead of Isaac. And as a result, Number one, I believe they delayed their blessing because now they had to wait 12 more years after that until the promised child came. And then number two, they caused all kinds of problems for themselves 
because the problem between the Jews and the, and the Israelites started with this whole situation between Ishmael and Isaac, and it's not going to end until Jesus comes back. So what you don't want to do is put your hands, put, put this in the chat. I will not put my hands on it. If you got to learn how to rest, and I know that it's not easy, but you got to learn how to rest while God is working. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter four, you have to labor to enter into God's rest. I've taught you a lot about having to work on not working. Listen, when God tells you to do something and God tells you that he's got it, you got to learn how to work on not working. Don't put your hands on it. If God doesn't tell you to put your hands on it, you got to let God do what he does and let the word work because the word will work. Number five, the key to resting in God and his promises is to align your thoughts with God's word. And then watch this, resist the temptation to entertain fear, doubt, worry, and unbelief. You got to resist every temptation to entertain. When the thought comes, oh, what if it's not going to happen? No, guess what? I know it's going to happen. Oh, what if what if this doesn't work? No, I know what God said. God is not a man that he should lie. No, the son of man that he should repent. This has to work. Oh, what if this, hey, you better prepare. What if this doesn't work out? I know this has to work out because I know what God, listen, and I know that this stuff happens to everybody. There's this battle in your mind and it's constant. And you got to remind yourself, nope, it's all about him. I'm going to enter into God's rest. I'm going to work on not working. I'm not going to put my hands on it. God, what God said has to come to pass. I believe that every word God has spoken over my life shall come to pass in the fullness of God's timing. Uh, yeah, so so Father, I look up and not down. I, I look forward and not backward. I enter into every day with an expectation of manifestation. Why? But I'm battling. I mean, this is constant. Like, this is why I do today's word every day. Listen, if you don't get a, a steady diet of God's word, you will you will lose the battle. Like you will succumb to the doubts. You you will you will buckle under the pressure. But you got, but if you meditate, you meditate and meditate on God's word how often? Day and night, then you trust the process. Number six, just like the farmer has to trust the process, you have to trust the process with God. You may not know all the details, you may not know how it's gonna work. You just gotta rest. You gotta understand that God is working, and you're gonna have unwavering faith in the fact that God is working, God is doing it, God can't fail me, he won't never let, let me down. Now, it might get worse before it gets better, it may get difficult, I may have to deal with obstacles, God didn't give me all the steps, because if God told me everything I had to go through, I would have ran the other way. But but now I'm in it now, I ain't going nowhere now, now I'm committed. And so since I'm committed, Lord, I embrace the grace, I, I'm gonna hold, I'm gonna be steadfast, I'm gonna be unmovable, I'm not gonna allow the cares of this world, the love of money, or the lust for other things to, to get involved, I'm not gonna put my hands on it, I'm just going to, I'm not going to mess it up. Say this, I'm not going to mess it up. I'm going to learn how to rest in God's finished work. All right, number seven, last point for today. Resting doesn't mean doing nothing. So let me, let me, let me be clear about this. When you are living by faith and you're resting in the promises of God, that's an active thing. I'm talking about actively resting. Resting doesn't mean inaction. Resting means that I have an active attitude of peace and confidence. I know that God is working. God is working behind the scenes and God is always working. So I'm trusting God. I'm open to him. I get up every day. Lord, I'm available. If you want me to do something, if you need me to make a phone call, I'll make the phone call. If you need me to send an email, I'll send an email. If you need me to go to a meeting, I'll go to a meeting. I'll do whatever you need me to do. But if you don't want me to get involved, if you want me to keep my hands off of it, I'll keep my hands off of it. Now, honestly, between you and I, it's easier for Rick Pena, for me, 
to go do something by faith. I will walk into a room. I will give a presentation. I will give a pitch. I will send an email. I prepare. I will do anything, even at the risk of looking foolish. That, doing that by faith is easier for me than when God says, oh no, I got it, son. Don't do nothing. Oh my God. That's just harder for me. I don't know about you. I'm just saying for me. When God says, no, son, I got it. I'm working on it. This is not something I want you involved in. There's nothing you can do. You've already done everything you could do. I just need you to wait now. Let me work it. Oh my God. Me, I'm just telling you, Rick Pena, I don't like that. I'm just being honest with you, right? That's harder for me. Like I would rather God say, go run 10 miles. I don't like to run, but I'll go do it because now I'm doing something in faith. But if God says, what I need you to do is rest. What I need you to do is hold on. What I need you to do is chill out. What I need you to do is not put your hands on it because I'm moving pieces around on the chessboard. And son, you don't understand. I'm working on stuff. I'm working on people. There's other people involved. There's, uh, you know, I have to work on this guy, that guy, that guy before, you know, the blessing is ready for you. So I just need you to wait. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm being honest with you. That's harder for me than the other way around. Resting in God's word is not passive. It is a deliberate choice that you are going to rest in God's wisdom, God's strength, God's power, God's timing. It is an invitation for you to bring God in and say, Lord, you manifest whatever you want to manifest in the fullness of your timing. And as you rest, last point for today, as you rest in God's word, you maintain a posture of expectation and gratitude. Put in the chat, expectation and gratitude. LeJean, you say you, you needed this. Guess what? I need it too. We all need this word. And so you, you're living your life with an expectation of manifestation and with an attitude of gratitude. What, what does that look like? I get up every day, Lord, I thank you. Father, I thank you that, that you're good. I thank you for the promises. I thank you for what you said. I believe that it's going to come to pass. And I live with an expectation that it can happen and it can happen at any time. It can happen today. And then I'm giving God praise for it. I'm not, I'm not living I'm not sucking, looking like I've been sucking on lemons. You ever met somebody that's saved, but just miserably saved? Like they say they love the Lord, but my God, they're just mean and nasty. No, you 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 live your life with expectation and gratitude, believing that that is going to come to pass and you're living your life like it can happen and it can happen at any time. Put in the chat, it can happen at any time. Hallelujah. That's enough for today. I've given you enough for today. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and declare this over your life. Speak this over your life in faith. Say, Father, this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. I boldly declare that your word is powerful and effective. It works all by itself, just like the seed in the soil. I don't have to make it work. I just let the word do what it does in my heart. I choose to rest in what you have said regardless of my understanding. I believe that you will fulfill your promises in my life and I refuse to entertain fear, doubt, worry, or unbelief. While I'm resting, I trust that you are actively working on my behalf. I don't need to take matters into my own hands. I surrender to your control and your faithfulness. I refuse to meddle in your work or to fabricate replacements to your promises. I know that doing so can delay my blessing and create unnecessary problems. So I enter into your rest. I focus on your promises, your grace, your love, and your faithfulness. As I rest in your word, I maintain an attitude 
of gratitude and a posture of expectation. This is how I know greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus name. Amen. This is today's word. Tomorrow we're going to have another one. So please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, please go to today's. If you're not getting my notes, go to todaysword.org, click on the big red subscribe button. You get the notes for free. Why not sign up? Put put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, I love you. God loves you more. Have an amazing day. Live with an expectation of manifestation. Enter into God's rest and stop putting your hands on stuff that God didn't tell you to put your hands on. Do me a favor. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you and then share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program, and Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity, and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to write several books and journals to help people grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please go to rickpina.co if you don't have our material, and there's also apparel there as well. Listen, thank you for being a blessing to us. We pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you.